0: This is the Mormon Mixed-Faith Marriage Podcast with Certified Life Coach, Brooke Booth, episode number 17. There are many phases to a mixed-faith marriage, and I'm going to talk about some of the more common phases, especially early on in a mixed-faith marriage. And these are phases that I have delineated from my work, as a coach, from my own personal experience, from my study of things like the grief cycle. In, in future podcasts, I'll do podcast uh, episode on the grief cycle and how it plays into a mixed-faith marriage. But this one's just a little bit more loose and free-flowing as it's, it's more of my own creation, these particular phases. So phase uh, one. This, this one often is one of the very, very early phases, and I call it the ignore it and hope it goes away phase. So I have seen this one time and time again with my clients, and personally, there is a shutdown. So if you're looking at the grief cycle, this is classic denial. So when I first told my husband about my faith transition, we didn't talk about religion for like three months post that conversation. It was radio silence. And I have talked to clients who have certainly done the same. One spouse tells about their faith transition and the other isn't able to understand, accept, or address. Things go silent. The discussion is not had. There's not even acceptance that this is actually happening or um, often it's, it's like, this will just go away. It's just a phase. It's just a phase they're going through. And while it's very painful to be a spouse in a faith transition, whose partner is acting this way, it also kind of makes sense. The transitioning spouse has been thinking a lot about faith, maybe over months or years. I mean, a lot. They have already passed through this phase of denial. They're no longer in denial about their faith transition, and that's often why they tell their spouse, because they've done some processing. They probably ignored their faith transition at first too. I certainly did. I often tell people now in retrospect that I didn't even know I was in one at first. Once I realized what was going on, then I spent some time grappling with it, then I was ready to talk to my husband because I had no words to talk to him with before that. I had already worked out many of the issues and fears and concerns when I brought it to him. The believing spouse, like my husband at that time, hadn't had the same opportunity to really digest this. And so he needed his own space and time to realize this wasn't just a phase. Now, I know this particular phase is not fun. Not fun at all. Not fun for either spouse. But it is a normal part of grief and transition. Okay, other phase to talk about. The walking on eggshell phase. So you may start to talk about, like after the initial hey, by the way, I'm having a faith transition conversation, you, you may start to talk about church and potential change, but it might be really tense and uncomfortable. Maybe you're always afraid you'll say the wrong thing, in part because you have said the wrong thing in the past. Emotions tend to escalate quickly. Now, this phase is generally associated with genuinely really wanting to talk and connect but things like defensiveness and hurt block that connection and the ability to really communicate time and time again. Now for some, this phase can last a really long time. It's, it's kind of like the elephant in the room, the walking on eggshell phase. Both partners know about the phase ship, shift, but how that will really impact life and the family moving forward is a little too scary to look at closely. So it's not addressed at or not addressed fully or not even addressed at all. And when conversations do arise, it's tender and strained. Now it's the walking on egg fit shell slash elephant in the room phase. Another phase to be aware of and to recognize in yourself is maybe this marriage won't work phase. In this phase, we tend to start to rely on. Belief systems we have around mixed faith marriages. You know, what was the messaging we received as children or from our parents or from other leaders and teachers in the past around, or what were examples of mixed faith marriages we've seen in the past, right? We start to look to the past in other people's lives or from teaching from other people to decide what our future looks like. And often, We're not seeing anything too appealing. A lot of times the messaging and our larger belief system around the mixed faith marriages is that it's not an ideal marriage, that it can't even be a really good marriage, that you certainly won't be happy and your children won't thrive. And so we often slip into um, kind of a funk around maybe this won't work, maybe this can't work. Maybe if we're not on the same page regarding religion, we can't have a good marriage. Maybe I am stuck in a less than type of marriage. Now, this phase is painful. Sadness can be a dominant emotion. A client comes to me in this phase. They suggest it could be really, really beneficial to look at your beliefs around a mixed faith marriage. Where did they come from? Are they true? Why do you believe them? Do you want? to keep believing them? And most importantly, do they help you achieve what you want in your marriage? Often we just adopt a set of beliefs that don't apply to us in our marriage. Now, they may have applied to somebody else in their marriage or, you know, our uncle Joe 40 years ago, but do they, we just often adopt sets of beliefs that don't apply to us in our marriage today. Okay, another phase to be aware of uh, is why can't they just change phase? This is also known as "it's all their fault" or "all my fault" phase. And there usually comes a point where, logically, it makes sense to you that the easiest solution here is just to have your child, your spouse, change. Like maybe they leave with you or they stay with you. That often presents as the most logical, easiest solution. So if you leave, you want your spouse to leave. If you decide to stay, you want your spouse to stay too. Like I said, it seems like the best solution. But often what happens in this is that our spouses don't. Like that's the whole underlying issue here is they are either not willing to stay when we want them to stay, or they're not willing to leave with us when we want them to leave with us. And this phase often manifests with blame and anger. And a slide note, anger is often an emotion that surfaces when there's deep sadness. And if you remember, the phase we talked about just prior to this often creates Or at least often sadness is associated with that. That's probably a better way of saying it. So anger often masks sadness. So coming back to this phase, here are some things that are not uncommon to say or think. If they would just, you know, dot, dot, dot. It's their fault that. It's my fault that. I caused all this. Why can't I just? Why can't they just? It sometimes sounds like this too. If they love me or this family, this wouldn't be happening. Which is really another way of saying, if they love me and this family, they would change and be different than they are. And if they don't change, then clearly they don't love me or this family. I think it's really important to look closely at this. This is not unusual messaging that we receive in our larger society. That Really loving somebody means changing who you are so they can be happy. But think about that. Is that really true? Do you really want your spouse to be different than who they are? Is that what you want to be the premise of your marriage? That you will love and accept them if they aren't actually being themselves. I will love you if you're not actually you is the premise of that thought process. It can be very interesting to look at. Okay, do any of these phases sound familiar? Been through any of them? Seen any of them, experienced them in whole or in part. What I want to suggest to you is this isn't the only phases available to those of us in a mixed faith marriage. Now, sometimes we have to move through these phases to process them, move through them in order to move on to another phase. But a mixed faith marriage can enter a phase I like to call happily ever after. But that probably won't happen on its own. You can be stuck in one of these phases for a really long time. And you also can't be stuck in one of these phases and have a really thriving marriage. So if it's time and you're interested in really leaning into the happily ever after phase, then you might need to get some happily ever after intervention. And I'm going to talk to you a little bit about this phase. And and I sometimes call this phase acceptance. Like again, back to the grief cycle, this one would be <clears throat> in alignment with acceptance. When you're in the happily ever after phase, you still get frustrated because you're still married to another human and you're still a human. But you have tools to use to reconnect and avoid blame and defensiveness from taking over and hijacking conversations. You decide your marriage can be a great marriage and that it doesn't have to be a perfect marriage or it doesn't have to look like your parents' marriage. You enjoy loving your spouse and finding new ways to connect. You enjoy loving your spouse exactly. For who they are and not for who you would prefer they would become. You practice respect and love as you co-parent and raise kids in integrity. And an interesting byproduct of this is kids then learn firsthand how to love and respect others regardless of their differences. You know you can handle change with grace and dignity. So, as I said earlier, an emotion that's often dominant in this phase is acceptance. And a lot of times we are able to feel acceptance because we're believing things like, I can figure this out. I'm committed to this marriage no matter what. This phase is totally possible. Totally possible. Now, acceptance, I want to talk about it for a minute. Acceptance doesn't mean that you like what happened, or it's okay, or that everything is forgotten. That's not what acceptance means. Acceptance means that you accept that it is. It's not resignation. It's not giving up. It's also not saying it's okay. It's just, yes, this happened to me. Yes, I'm willing to process this, accept it, move forward with it. Not ignore it, not fight against it, not resist it, not become a victim to it. All like acceptance is a really powerful place to be in because it accepts your reality, right? It accepts what happened. And then you're able to move on and decide what you want to do next from a place of consciousness. So a lot of times we come to the place of I can totally handle this. I am handling this. And even like this is really advanced, but I want to suggest it's possible. This is one of the best things to ever happen to our marriage because it helped me to commit like never before and show up like never before. Really develop unconditional love. Okay, so there are some phases that are associated with a mormon mixed-faith marriage so if you coach with me we'll discuss all of these how to get from denial eggshells elephant in the room all the way to happily ever after because it's possible sometimes you need a little intervention though a little bit of help and help is available so i offer one-on-one coaching Right now, my slots are full, but I also have group coaching and I have a program starting uh, in February of 2022, very first week of February. There are still a few, just a few slots open. So if you want one, let's get on a call. Go to my website, brookbooth.coaching, Click on schedule a free call with Brooke and let's talk and find out if this program is a good fit for you. Let's find out which phases you've moved through and which phases you're stuck in and see what work still needs to be done so you can move purposefully and successfully into acceptance and happily ever after. If you're ready and willing, like I said, just go to my website, brookboothcoaching.com and click on the big blue green box, schedule a free call with Brooke. All right. Wishing you the very, very